In the halls of South Africa's parliament, a battle will be fought that will determine the fate of the public protector, send shockwaves through the ANC, and influence South Africa's institutions for decades to come. The public protector versus parliament. Let's get started. Spread the fire. Welcome back to the channel, fam. And if you're new around here, my name is Dr. Sizwe Mbofu Walsh. This channel is SMWX, the Sizwe Mbofu Walsh experience. And around here, we explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. If it's your first time watching, welcome. If you're returning, great to have you. Looking forward to your comments. We have a really lively comment section, so make sure you get those comments in below. I try to reply to all of them or as many of them as I can. In this video, I want to analyze the public protector's battle at the Parliament of South Africa this year. In the National Assembly, the fate of the public protector will be determined in a series of battles which could result in the public protector's removal or it will result in the public protector remaining in office. Either way, it's going to be an epic struggle and you're in the right place to understand exactly how that battle is going to unfold. So, this video will look at three different dimensions of this battle. Firstly, I'm gonna just give you the background to this battle, tell you where we are, what the state of play is. Second, I'm gonna say what you can expect in the year 2021 as this battle unfolds. And then finally, I'm gonna analyze what's at stake, what this all means, and how this could influence ANC politics, broader South African politics, even the 2021 local government elections, and the 2022 ANC leadership election. So, let's get started. So I'm gonna take you back to May 2019. That's when the Democratic Alliance, South Africa's largest opposition party, launched a bid in parliament to have the public protector, South Africa's anti-graft, anti-corruption institution, removed from office. Now, this came in the wake of a number of adverse findings against the public protector where her reports were either reviewed or her conduct was questioned by extremely senior and eventually even the constitutional court. And so in light of much of the pressure that was mounting on the public protector, both from quarters of the ANC and a number of opposition parties spearheaded by the DA, the DA launches this attack in parliament to say we need to remove this person from this important institution. Advocate Busisue Mkwebane, South Africa's public protector, who's been in office since 2016, then was faced with a number of very difficult choices. Soon after the bid to remove her was launched, it became clear that under section 194 of the constitution, there are rules that are envisaged for the removal of institutions supporting constitutional democracy, but those rules hadn't yet been fleshed out by South Africa's parliament. So after the speaker acknowledged the request by the DA and entertained it, it was quickly realized in parliament that a whole process would need to be designed, which would institute rules for the removal of these important institutions envisaged in South Africa's constitution in chapter nine, and there are other institutions like the Auditor General, for example. So Parliament then set about through its Rules Committee, framing rules that would eventually 
guide the process of how to remove the public protector. And towards the end of 2019, approved those rules. Now, the public protector responded and it was essentially a two-pronged response. Basically, there was this process that was unfolding through these rules that were created that would lead to some kind of inquiry into her fitness to hold office on the one hand. But then there was a question of the rules themselves and how constitutional they were. And the public protector then, in 2020, launched a two-pronged bid to essentially stifle this process. The first prong rested on interdicting the committee, the inquiry itself, and saying it needed to wait until it could be proved that the rules on which the committee was basing its decisions could be proved constitutional. So she launched an application in the courts of South Africa to prevent this process. One, to ask for a temporary delay while the broader question of the constitutionality of the rules could be decided. And this went to the Western Cape High Court and ultimately she failed in the first part of that application to say, let's hold up this process. And where we are right now is that the second part of that application, the part that really takes aim at the constitutionality of the rules that were framed by the Rules Committee for the removal of the public protector, that will now come into sharp focus as the public protector attempts to launch an attack on the very constitutionality of the rules of the process that will be removing her from office. And so as this year unfolds, that battle is going to be key. But in the meantime, while these processes were happening, Parliament was still continuing its process of launching this inquiry. And that's going to follow a number of stages. So let's look into what these stages will look like and how they're going to work. Where are we right now? Well, Parliament has appointed a three-person committee which will look at whether or not there should be an inquiry in the first place. So these are three non-MPs. The Parliament itself has appointed them through their expertise in the legal field, for example, to have a look at whether there actually are at least prima facie grounds for an inquiry to be held by Parliament. And that panel of three people has been appointed and they are due to give that verdict on whether there should even be an inquiry at all to Parliament towards the end of February. So that takes us to roughly where I am as I film this video. And in the next part of this video, what I want to do is have a look at how the process will unfold from that point when the committee that has been appointed by Parliament gives its view on whether an inquiry should go ahead. Okay, so in this part, I want to talk about how this process could unfold. And this is a really interesting and fascinating battle that's going to be taking place through a great part of 2021. So there are a number of scenarios that could play out here. This committee that has been appointed, remember there's a three-person committee of experts to determine whether the public protector should even face a parliamentary inquiry. That committee will come back towards the end of February and say, okay, we believe yay or nay. Well, if they say no, we don't believe there should be inquiry, that's the end of the matter. The public protector carries on and nothing will happen. But 
let's say that this three-person committee looks into the evidence and says, well, we think that at the very least, Parliament should hold an inquiry. That doesn't mean they think that the public protector should be removed, but they believe that an inquiry is necessary. Now, when that committee reports back, it then goes to Parliament for its first vote, and this is to the entire National Assembly. And then the National Assembly must take the advice from this committee and decide whether it wants to implement this inquiry into the public protector. Now, again, if Parliament votes at that point and says, no, we don't want an inquiry, that's the end of the matter. But let's say that the National Assembly does vote that they do want an inquiry. Now, that won't mean that the public protector is gone. All it will mean is that Parliament says it wants to look deeper into this question. Then the committee that par Parliament appoints, a special committee to inquire, will be established and that will have people from various political parties. In fact, the committee and the way it's established is kind of part of the contest over the constitutionality. So we'll see what that committee looks like. But there will be a committee that will inquire into the public protector's fitness to hold office. As this is happening, the public protector's application to review the constitutionality of the rules themselves will be taking place. So there'll be this dual battle where Parliament will be deciding whether it wants to have an inquiry, but the very rules on which that inquiry is premised will also be the subject of a legal challenge. And it's not clear exactly when that legal challenge will uh, reach an outcome, nor is it clear exactly when Parliament will be voting. But what we do know is that, at least in the first early part of this year, possibly moving towards the first half of this year, we'll be having this kind of process where Parliament will be moving, but the public protector will be challenging the very constitutionality of those rules. And that challenge could go as far as the courts permitted to go because the constitutionality of those rules won't just be important for this particular public protector they'll have wide-ranging impact on all of south africa's institutions supporting constitutional democracy because they will ultimately be the rules on which future incumbents of those offices are judged upon and potentially removed through so let's say for example that the public protector doesn't succeed in uh, convincing a court of the constitutionality of those rules. An outcome that's by no means assured because I suspect that's going to be a battle royale, a constitutional battle royale. But let's just look at what happens in the parliamentary process all the way to the end because it's really hard to remove a public protector and I think this is something that, that people haven't fully appreciated. So let's say for, for instance, that the rules are, are fine for now, let's assume that and let's look at what would happen in Parliament and how that process would unfold. What would happen if the National Assembly votes for this inquiry is that the inquiry would sit, it would ultimately hear evidence, written oral evidence, and it would have to come to a determination on whether the public protector should be removed from office based on section 194 of the Constitution. Let's assume again that that committee decides, in fact, the public protector should be removed from office. Okay, so we've had the experts say that they think there should be an inquiry. Then we have parliament voting that they believe that the public protector should be subject to the inquiry. The inquiry sits and the inquiry 
says that the public protector should be removed. That's already a lot of things that have to happen. Now, what happens then? Well, that's not the end of the road for the public protector because the public protector presumably could challenge that process and the inquiry and its decisions itself. But even if the public protector didn't do that, then what would happen is that would go back to parliament. And this is where things could really get very lit. Because if there are grounds for the public protector's removal, in the opinion of this committee sitting on behalf of parliament, then parliament has to vote to either affirm or disaffirm this committee's finding. And that's the moment well, actually it's the second last, but that's the really important moment when either the public protector will be removed or won't be removed. Now, bear in mind that the public protector has to be removed by a two-thirds majority. So the ANC alone, for example, couldn't remove the public protector, much less the DA acting alone. This would require tremendous cross-party consensus. We know that the EFF has said that they are against the move for now. So we'll see how that unfolds. So that removes a certain block of MPs. And now we would have to witness an unprecedented alliance between the ANC benches and the DA benches. And then potentially, if there are any dissenting voices within those benches, other opposition parties. So you would have to have South Africa's two biggest political parties at one on this question of the removal of the public protector. You would have to get a two-thirds majority in parliament. Remember, the ANC at the moment only has about 57% of the seats in parliament. So you would need this alliance and obtaining such an alliance in South Africa's parliament would require something of an unprecedented communion of multiple disparate and antagonistic political forces. If Parliament by a two-thirds majority votes the public protector should be removed from office, then all but the final nail is in the coffin. Parliament then forwards that decision to the president, who's ultimately the appointing authority, and then the president can remove the public protector from office. It would spark something of a crisis if the president just decided, no ways, I'm not removing the public protector. But given where it seems President Ramaphosa is with this public protector, I think that's very unlikely. So that's exactly how this process would unfold for the public protector to be removed. And you'll see that in each of those places, there's a link that needs to hold for this process to reach fruition. So now, I want to have a look in the next section at what's at stake, what all this means, and what a successful or an unsuccessful bid to remove the public protector will do in South African politics. Okay, so in this section, I want to try and analyze what this could all mean. The first thing I want to look at is internal ANC politics. We know that the ANC is riven with divisions right down the middle. And the last thing that the ANC needs, the last thing that President Cyril Ramaphosa needs, 
is a battle that divides the party down the middle. This so-called unity and renewal push is not so much an attempt, in my view, to rebuild the ANC. It's an attempt to hold together a political alliance that keeps the ANC in power. And that alliance is based on very fragile, very shaky ground at the best of times. Can the ANC withstand a divisive battle which divides the party and ultimately might see MPs going rogue and voting against party lines, voting with their consciences, voting via secret ballot where the ANC doesn't exactly know how many votes it has. Can that process be sustained while the balance of forces within the ANC is so tenuous and so fragile? I think this battle to remove the public protector may prove to be something of a poison chalice and the ANC will have to think very long and very hard about whether it wants to pursue a battle which might backfire and the blowback of which might linger all the way into 2022. We already know and I've analyzed in another video which I will link to um, over here or check it out somewhere around here. I've talked about the big battles going on in the ANC between President Cyril Ramaphosa and Ace Mahashule. The public protector fight will only add fuel to that fire. And so while certain factions of the ANC may see this as a key victory and may see this as a symbol of their fight to cleanse the party and the state of corruption, others may see this as a battle where the juice is not worth the squeeze. Now, there are other dimensions to this because this battle will be playing out as South Africa, it seems at the moment anyway, approaches a local government election. So that a major political fight over the public protector may bleed into electoral campaigning and a very political year itself. And so this fight won't just have implications for the fate of the public protector. It may also become something of a proxy in the election as voters try to see which parties not only can serve their interests on a day-to-day -day local basis, but which parties deserve the trust of the nation in positions of power. And so to the extent that the local government election will be a proxy war for the credibility of all political parties, where each party stands on this public protector issue may become an increasingly important moment in the election itself, particularly as both of these processes, the election and the bid to remove the public protector, might reach fever pitch, might reach a crescendo or a high point at a similar time in the year. So the way this battle feeds into the election is also really important and worth looking into. The final thing to think about is that the public protector's term of office comes to an end in 2023. Now that sounds like a long time, but in the grinding slow pace of constitutional law, that's at the blink of an eye. So it may well be that the legal processes and the legal challenges and the parliamentary processes grind on for so long that it ends up becoming 
a fait accompli that this process won't result in the removal of the public protector because her term of office will be coming to an end around the corner anyway. So if you remember the way advocate Musisiwe Mkwebane, the public protector, was actually appointed, it takes quite a long time. So you have to call for nominations. That's probably going to be around uh, May or June of 2023. And then you have to have interviews. So it takes four, five, sometimes six months for a public protector to even be appointed. So if Mkwebane can hang in there up until, say, the middle of 2022, then she can turn around and say, look, I've got six months left in office before you need to nominate. Why would you remove me if I'm already walking out the door because of my constitutional term ending anyway? So in a way, this parliamentary process is under time pressure because if it doesn't happen swiftly enough, it's going to become increasingly less relevant given that the public protector will be leaving office anyway. There are also a number of wild cards, and we know that the public protector is facing two other parallel battles. There's a perjury charge that's been brought against her, which she's defending in the magistrate's court. There's also a bid within the legal practice to have the public protector disbarred as an advocate, and that would have consequences because the public protector has to have certain qualifications or certain kinds of experience in order to be appointed in the first place. So. This video is not so much about those processes, but that could be a wild card because if, for example, the public protector is swiftly found guilty of perjury and she can't successfully appeal or review that decision, that may bring uh, a great deal to bear on this removal process and, of course, have uh, far-reaching consequences. Likewise, if this attempt to disbar the public protector is successful, that will also have far-reaching consequences. But if you want me to look into those wild cards uh, situations, in more depth i'll do that in another video comment below so uh, if you're enjoying this video if you enjoyed it make sure you drop a like right now drop me a comment let me know whether you think the public protector will survive or won't survive and why and also leave your comments on this analysis on this video let's continue to build this platform we're doing something special here we're building momentum we're building an alternative platform it's new, it's fresh, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Keep spreading the fire, sharing SMWX with friends, family, anyone who you know who's interested in South African politics, and let's keep growing this thing and turning this, this flame into a fire. So, thanks for watching SMWX. Catch all our other videos, explore the channel, and catch you on the next one. Aye, 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 aye.